0: Good morning. Good morning. Is that me popping? Oh. That means I have to hold still. Need a third hand. All right. All right. Well, good morning. Ugh. Thanks, Warner. Thanks, um, worship team. You guys, uh, that was no small feat, <laughs> what you just saw. Um, not the taking of the mic. Um, lots of sound problems this morning. Again, uh, please just be praying for for the band, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of stress in the morning, and, and as, as we, you know, constantly have to just check ourselves and go, we're, we're here to lead you all in worship of God, and we can do this in a shack, we can do this outside, we can do this wherever, right? And, and, and yet, this is what we have, and so we try to get everything to work, and, and, um, and they worked feverishly. So, thank you to everybody that did that again. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just pray. Father, we, um, we just pray, Father, that you would help us to remove the distractions that we honestly voluntarily bring into our lives, and that you would allow us to see you that you would open our eyes and open our ears and help us to live this life in a way that is constantly looking to you God, that, that, is, that is a feat it's difficult for us and yet we know that that is that's where we belong that's the place of contentment And joy and peace. And so I just pray, Father, this morning that as we go to your word, that you would just remind us of who you are. Reveal yourself to us. And help us to worship you. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Isaiah. Hopefully, you guys all have uh, a, the, the book of Isaiah. Like we, we have those things. So, if you have those green books, if you remembered yours, congratulations. Uh, if you did not remember yours or you haven't gotten one, uh, they're in a box right there by Warner uh, on the ground. So, you, you're welcome to jump up and grab it. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, this morning, uh, it's the same, you know, it's the same Isaiah chapter 6 that's in your Bible. If you brought it or on your phone, we're going to be in ESV. This, the verses will be on the screen as well. Um, so up until now, we've been, so we're trying to go through Isaiah, right, uh, 66 chapters. Um, I think we're on week 3, and we're on chapter 6, okay? So the pacing isn't going to work, and I talked about this before. Read this on your own, like read. Read past where we're at, you know, about a chapter a day. If you're just now starting, I haven't done the math, but it's more than that. Um, but, but get into Isaiah. Spend time reading these words. And, and like I've said before, a lot of it is confusing um, and difficult, and it seems repetitive. Um, but let me just encourage you, underline the stuff that, that seems to stand out. Underline the stuff that, where, where God reveals his character. To you, to me, because because that's that's the purpose, right? God is revealing himself to Israel. Okay, now I, I, I wanna I wanna back up a little bit. So he talks to Israel, and we got we got to remember that that in this context, Isaiah is preaching in his time to the the southern kingdom, to the northern kingdom, right? He's preaching to Israelites. We take this because God's character is unchanged. And so in the way that he responded to the Israelites' rebellion, so he responds to ours. And so this is why God preserves his word for us. And so that we can, we can go to it and we can go, how does God think and feel and act and react? And how does he, how does he associate with us? And, and so that's what we discover as we read through Isaiah. Um, all right, kids are in here, so K through fifth, uh, welcome. I hope you have, um, you know, some drawing stuff or whatever. I'll try to, I'll try to keep it as lively and as engaging as I can. Um, but um, all right, we're going to start off in Isaiah chapter six, and and what Isaiah does in chapter six is he actually uh, goes back and he reflects on his calling. So it, this actually happens first because God calls Isaiah to preach in chapter 6. But obviously 1 through 5 have already tra- uh, transpired, right, So in, in the book. And so what Isaiah is doing is going, I've, I've already been preaching. Let me go back and tell you what caused me to start preaching. What caused Isaiah to go? What changed Isaiah's life? And by implication... What then changes our life? And that's what we're going to see this morning as God takes Isaiah, he reveals himself to him, and Isaiah is undone and repentant, and God heals him and then calls him. That's our life. That's the story of our life, and the end result is that God is glorified. And so let's read uh, Isaiah chapter 6. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah sees God sitting on his throne. I want you to just, everybody just close your eyes for a second and i want you to picture this at some point you will be before the throne of god all creation will be and you will see god in however whatever he's going to look like isaiah's trying to write these words down and it's going to be filled with smoke and there's angels Lifting up the Lord, worshiping Him, declaring, Holy, 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 so loud that the ground under your feet is shaking.
1: Okay, open your eyes.
0: We will all be there. We will all experience this, not just people that are in church. Everybody will experience what Isaiah saw. And and more so, even more than what Isaiah experiences, we will experience. And so what what Isaiah is describing here is this monumental moment in his life where he witnessed God in some respect and it changed him forever. Forever. And it it describes these angels, and there's, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but there's seraphim and there's cherubim. We know a couple angels get mentioned by name, Gabriel and Michael. Michael is the archangel, but we really don't know a whole lot more than that other than the cherubim are the ones that guard the Garden of Eden, and they're actually mentioned mostly. Isaiah is actually the only one that mentions the seraphim. But obviously these are creatures that we don't see every day. And obviously, they are speaking one to another, and they're declaring the holiness of God. And Isaiah just gets this peak, this opportunity to see what is happening in heaven. And so this is what he experiences. There's a, there's a song that has always um, that I've always enjoyed, and it's it's Mercy Me's. Uh, I can only imagine, and maybe maybe you're familiar with it. But he asks, he asks the question, "How am I going to respond when I'm there?" And it's a good question. Like, take everything away, take all of all the junk that you've been thinking about this morning, probably thinking about right now, what you're going to do this afternoon. Forget all that. None of it matters. This moment, which this moment could be, in an hour for us, right? I have no idea when this is going to happen. And and the song says, um, "Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel?
1: Will I dance?"
0: Will I dance for you, Jesus, or or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all? Just think about that, because I don't know the answer to any of those questions, neither do you. None of us do. But these are the questions we should be thinking about: What's it going to be like? And and he's not asking this like, what's the proper response? That's not what he's saying. He's like, I really don't know, because I'm going to want to dance, but then I'm going to be in awe. I'm going to want to sing, but I don't even know if my tongue's going to work. I don't even know how to dance. So, you know, there's a predicament for me. Sorry, I had to bring in some levity. You guys, if we would just reflect on this more frequently of who this God is that we are in here worshiping, our lives would be totally different. And that doesn't that doesn't That is true for every single one of us in here. All of us. If we actually spent the time and and dwelt on this, our lives would be completely changed. I don't know how your life would be changed, but it would be. Mine would be. And so what... What we read here is Isaiah's life changing. And so God's promise to us is the same. It really is not even a promise, it's just this is who He is. And in His presence, this is what will happen. And look what it says in verse 5. So then Isaiah um, reacts. He says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And we just saying this, right? Open my eyes, God. This is what you're going to see. When we sing that, when we say, "God, I want to see you," you know what we see, too, right? We see ourselves. In light of who God is. It's not just about us seeing God. It's about us seeing us and our depravity for what we really are. And this is why Isaiah says, woe is me. In fact, I love the King James Version because it says, woe is me, I am undone. It's like the, the opposite of the creation story, right? In Genesis where, where God says that he was done and it was complete, This is the opposite of that. It's incomplete. Isaiah realizes that he is destined for destruction. Woe is me. This is is how Isaiah responds to this. This is repentance. And his point is not to say, oh, look at all the other people around me. Look at how sinful this world is, God. I wish this world was so much better. He doesn't say that. He says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst people with unclean lips. Like, there's nobody that is righteous. And we use this word repentance. Uh, Probably not enough. And we probably use it incorrectly. Um, repentance is, is changing. The, the, the Greek word is metanoa, something like that. Anyway, meta means to change. And noah is, is your, your thoughts, your mind. Your, and so it's, it's a change of mind. It's, it's that we're changing the direction of our lives. That, that we stop this and we start this but it's not about obedience. It's a deep, visceral reaction to our depravity. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a heart condition. Repentance is us agreeing with God that what my sin is disgusts me. That the way that I react in certain situations in my life frustrates me that we don't have control over our own words and thoughts and actions as much as we like to think we do. And the hatred I feel at times and the jealousy I feel at times and the discontentment and the
1: worry see,
0: repentance says, I hate those things. Break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. That's what we just sang. You know, God's heart breaks when he sees us live in our sin. It's not that he wants us to obey. It's that he wants us, I mean, he does, but he wants us to see who we really are. And how rebellious we are. Isaiah doesn't just start making a list of things he needs to do, right? I mean, that, this, if you look at Isaiah's response, he doesn't say, I need to clean myself up. He's just undone by his sin. That's where God wants us. Because it's in that place that God does his work in us. We don't need to worry about this obedience and things. That is going to happen. That's not what God, it's not a prerequisite. You guys need to understand this. That's not what he's looking for. When when we talk about repentance, it's not this works-based religion where we're going, well, if I repent about uh, for all of these bad things I've done, well, then God's going to be happy with me. That's not it at all. He goes, do you hate what I hate? Do you love what I love? Because if you do... There's something I can work with here. There's a heart that has changed here. You see, I'm going to say something here, and you might reel back, and, and you probably should, but belief is not the only thing that's required. Jesus says, repent and believe. James 2.9, guess who believes? Even the demons believe, and they shudder. So they know who God is, and they're afraid of God, but they aren't repentant. That's the difference. Mark 1.15, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. They go hand in hand. We can't can't say, oh, it's just, I just got to have this abstract belief. I made this declaration of belief way back when. And so the rest is, I can just do whatever I want. No, no, there's repentance. God, God changes our hearts. He changes our hearts. Now, let me be really clear. This doesn't mean you're going to conquer every sin in your life. And when you conquer a sin, you will find your next rebellion probably right around the corner. And this is why Paul declares in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 9 is a great section of scripture here. In verse 9, so Paul's talking about this thorn in the flesh that he has. And we don't know what that was. We don't know if that's physical or if that was, uh, it could have been pride. It it could have been anything. Um, And he says, But he, meaning God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, what what Paul says is the repentance is a good thing. Because every time I see my depravity, I see my weakness. That's why Isaiah is undone. That's why Isaiah declares himself to be lost, because he sees his weakness in light of an all-powerful God. And he says, I need him. I need him desperately. I'm lost without God, that's what Isaiah declares. And so when Paul is saying, I'm going to boast about my weakness, I'm horrible, I'm sinful, I'm rebellious. All of us are. And yet we try to hide it and we try to clean it up. And, but we, it shouldn't be this way. We should have communities of believers where we can go and we can confess and we can say, man, this is what I'm struggling with. God showed me this part of me this week, and, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. That's a good thing. Boast in your weakness. Because then you get to see the work of God. You get to see the power of God in your life. Um. And And... What I will say is that repentance and confession go, go hand in hand, okay? I don't, I don't have like a confession area here. I'm not looking for you to confess to me, right? But confessing to each other, opening up the dialogue of, of what this whole thing looks like, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Because when we repent, when we recognize these things, we get to communicate what God has done in our lives, how he's opened our eyes, opened our ears. He's shown us who we are in light of him. And then guess what? We get to watch God work. We all get to watch God work. I will tell you while I was... Um, I've obviously not been around for a bit, I'm like here and then I'm gone again, and um, I'm here for a while now, but my contentment is in the wrong place. That's what God revealed to me while I was gone um, you know and it and it took and It took three weeks of me being alone in a hotel room going, man, what what am I doing? That's a good question to ask. We all need to be asking that. Then we all go to Isaiah chapter 6 and we think about who God is and we go, you define what I do, God. You define it. I don't want to define it. I'm going to jack it up. So kids, as you guys are growing up and you guys are learning life, and the youth, as you're, as you're figuring out where you want to go, like, man, you go to God and you go, you tell me what to do. My parents are probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. How am I going to glorify God in my life? And so we, we confess and we repent. Guess what? My contentment is not solely in Christ now that I repented. It's, it's a process, right? I
1: want it to be. I want it to be.
0: But it's not. And I want you to be praying for it, and I'm going to be praying for it. And this is how this works. This is what God wants from us. All right, go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 here. So what happened? So Isaiah repents. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah repents, and God acts. What does he do? He says, there's no more guilt, and there's no payment. There's two things, right? Underline those. Guilt and atoned, right? Walk through both of those. So he says, you shouldn't have any shame. As we confess our sins and we repent of them, there's no room for shame, That's not the point, right? We're not trying to all just be sorrowful together about how bad we are. That's not the point. It's that we're we're taking a good uh, look at who we are and we declare, yeah, I'm jacked up. And then God says, there is no guilt. And not only is there no guilt, I'm gonna pay for that rebellion, I'm gonna atone for it. You see what God does, and I was counting on using both hands here, but I can't. Um, so what God does, right? God, who's outside of time is looking at Isaiah seven hundred years before Christ, and he sees his repentance and at the same in the same frame, our God is looking at Jesus. Isaiah covered and laden with iniquity, remember we read that? Here's Isaiah covered in his sin, and here's Jesus covered in his blood. And God goes, it's atoned for. It's okay. And then here we are 2,000 years later, and he sees you mess up, and he sees you do something or think something or say something or feel something that you're like, man, I hate that. He goes, it's okay. That's why I sent my son. Your sins
1: are atoned for. This is how our God sees this. You guys get this, right? Look at
0: verse 8. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. What's the point of all of this? So here's, here's God who reveals himself to Isaiah. Isaiah repents. God atones for him, takes away his guilt, and then what happens next? Because there's a purpose in all of this. His repentance was for a purpose. Your repentance, my repentance, is for a purpose. Because now God goes, who's going to go? Who's going to go on mission? Who's going to live for me? And Isaiah goes, well, I'll go. Send me. You see, at the beginning when I said, if, if we were dwelling upon who God is, more frequently our lives would be changed, we would answer in the same way. If we are beholding the glory of God, and he goes, who will go? We would all say, I'll go. Send me. Let's not overlook the fact that the creator of the universe Has asked humanity, who will go for us? Get this, right? Here is is this holy God in this temple filled with smoke, the angels singing, Holy, 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 worshiping him. And he goes, Hey, who's going to go on my behalf? anybody? And he picks this sin laden, rebellious Isaiah. He picks you, and he picks me, and he says, they'll, they'll work. They'll go. Send them. You see, there's a purpose to this. There's a purpose to our lives, and it's not to make money or build a family. It's not, you guys. Just dwell on that for a second. The purpose of your life is not to make money and build a family. I I get it. A lot of you make money, a lot of you have families. But that's not our purpose. Because if it is, that's where we're going to find our contentment. Not in Christ, not in our Creator. And then we're going to live our lives for those purposes and not for gods. I hope I'm making this as clear as God has been making it to me. I don't have a path forward, but I just know what I see in light of who God is.
1: 2 Corinthians 5:20
0: Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our purpose. You're an ambassador for Christ.
1: That's the end of that statement. That's your purpose. That's why you breathe. You know that, that song that um
0: I don't even remember what the lyrics were about us not having breath. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I didn't breathe
1: for fifteen minutes.
0: We just waste so much living our lives in these crazy ways for these crazy purposes. And God goes, I want you to be my ambassadors. I want you to declare to the world that they should be reconciled to me. No, go. Go. It doesn't get any more simple than this. (laughs) And we make it so convoluted and so difficult. Don't wait for a program or a meeting or a thing here or some advertisement. That's, that's not the go. You go. You know God. You know your Savior. Go. Go respond. Go be an ambassador for him.
1: There's a purpose.
0: Isaiah's purpose was a rough one. This is what God declares him or tells him that he must go and say. Verse 9, and he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. This is the opposite of what we just sang, isn't it? This is a judgment by God lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then Isaiah speaks in verse 11. He says, then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is is God levying a judgment on Israel. I know it gets a little confusing in here, so let me just break this down. Remember, the northern kingdom had fallen. The Assyrians were living in the northern kingdom, and they were on their way to take over Israel the southern kingdom where Isaiah is right now preaching. And so everybody was afraid. And God says, Isaiah, I want you to go to everybody and tell them they should be. They should be afraid. Because our God uses the horrible intentions of sinful and rebellious people to levy his judgment. That's how he operates historically. And Isaiah says, how long? Let me, let, me, let me at least give them some hope on the backside. Let me at least tell them how long it's going to take, how long this judgment's going to happen. And, and he says, it's going to happen until, like, everything's gone. And he even says, I'm going to burn it twice. Does
1: that seem excessive? Seriously. Does it
0: seem excessive? This is when, I'm telling you, when we're reading through Isaiah, we're going to get the character of God, right? And we go, and a lot of people go, well, you know, God's a different God. You know, in the New Testament, he kind of cleans himself up a bit. It's not true. Same God. This is the God that makes a whip in the courts and cleans his temple at the hands of Jesus. This is how bad our sin is. That's what he's trying to say here. It requires a judgment. If I were were to say that, I mean, we've got oak trees all over the place down here, right? If I were to say, hey, this oak tree doesn't look like it's doing too well. I'm going to take my chainsaw and I'm going to cut it at the base. You'd go, Jonathan, (laughs) how about we trim it? We prune it up a little bit. We can reshape this thing, clean it up, it'll be good. God says I'm cutting it at the base. Last week Spencer preached on the vineyard, right? And how how God is, you know, care, he plants this vine and he's he's trying to get it to grow, right? And it and then what does it do? It produces wild grapes. It's not producing. It's not producing it They aren't living for his purposes. They aren't being ambassadors. And so what what does he say here? He's like, I'm going to cut the whole thing down.
1: The purpose of
0: this is not to scare us. The purpose of this is to see how bad our sin is. And he used it as judgment in this context.
1: And so what do we do with this?
0: Well, I just, I thought I was just making a few mistakes and I just need to kind of fix this little part of my life. And if I could just fix this little part of my life, I'd be a pretty good person. It's not what God's looking for. He's not looking for good people. Jesus says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance.
1: We're sinners. That's us.
0: And then look at that last verse, or the last part. The holy seed is its stump. You know who that is? (laughs) So cool. That's Jesus. The holy offspring, some of your versions might say. It's the same offspring that was mentioned in Genesis at the fall that was going to come back and crush the head of the serpent. And we're going to see as we go through Isaiah, there's more and more references to Jesus. In fact, the very next chapter. And so what, I, what God is saying is, but don't worry, because out of this stump is going to grow the healthy tree. And so, the question for us this morning
1: are you ready to be cut down? You ready to start over?
0: Because that's what he calls us to do. That's repentance. Repentance is a complete change in our heart. It doesn't mean clean up a little bit here and straighten up, it means wanting and willing to be cut down so that we can grow in God.
1: That's what we're called to. How do you feel about that? a little heavy, isn't it? Okay, now I want you all to close your eyes again.
0: And now I want you to picture your God before you, high and lifted up, filled with smoke, light, and your
1: feet Feel the thunder under your feet. God speaks. What do you do? What now? Who are you in light of this God? And what is your purpose? Let me pray.